Hey there, welcome to Speaking Llama, a Survivor podcast. My name is Caleb Loomis. I am one of your co-hosts. And today on Speaking Llama, we will be having another Survivor duel where we are going to pit two great Survivor players against one another and see who comes on top as the best Survivor player. Check it out. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Speaking Llama. We're so excited that you're listening this week, and we have an incredible episode. We are straying away just a little bit from our normal uh, episode format, but I think it's going to be a really great one. So, Caleb, how are you? Alex, I am great. You caught me drinking a sip of water, so thank you for that and that delay. No, I'm doing great, Alex. You know, it is Christmas time, as I've said the past couple of weeks. It's, you know, it's just a fun time to be out. But more importantly, I got a new board game this weekend. Ooh. Uh, played it with Allie, my fiance. Um, may or may not have won by 96 points. Um, <laughs> almost lapped her on the scoreboard. But that's besides the point. First time playing, right? Healthy relationships to begin a marriage. Is that what it's called? It's something. <laughs> We're going to have your fiance, Allie, on as a uh, host to talk about that. That's fine. We're an open book. Well, Caleb, you know, it's Christmas time, like you said, and this is actually our last episode of 2020, which shout out to that. Yes, please go away, 2020. (laughs) Never come back again. So with that in mind, what is your New Year's resolution for the year 2021, specifically survivor related? Alex, I'm I'm really sad that you have to ask. My New Year's resolution every year, regardless of Survivor related or not, is get on Survivor. So I want to say I put in a great video audition this last time around. I'm going to blame the COVID for messing up the whole casting process. And that's why I didn't get a call. So I know I know CBS is just itching to call me. But I'm gonna get them to call me this year. You know, if you get on Survivor, then we can have a former player be a guest host every week, which is great. I mean, would, would be you. Maybe you might have to pay me at that point. So guest <laughs> appearance fees. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think for me, you know, one of our reasons we started this podcast is one, because we love to talk about Survivor. Two, because we love to debate and argue with one another. But three is a chance to meet some of our heroes. And so I think my New Year's resolution is get some of those great players that we love and admire on our podcast and get them to uh, speak some llama with us. Sounds great. This week's episode, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's a little bit different than our typical episode. Our typical format, we take two castaways and talk through Outwit, Outplay, Outlast in a fantasy final tribal council game. Well, we recognize that Netflix had just a few months ago released two seasons of Survivor. And a lot of new Survivor fans are coming out of the woodworks and and watching those two seasons. And so two weeks ago, we had an episode with Colby and Jerry, both of whom played on season 20, Heroes versus Villains, which is one of the seasons on Netflix. Last week, we had an episode with Wu and Cass, uh, and they were both characters on season 28, Survivor Kageon, which is the other season on Netflix right now. And so our hope this week is to have a little season versus season battle of which one do we think is the best overall season, heroes versus villains or Kageon. 
And Caleb, tell our listeners a little bit about what we're going to do in order to rate and and debate these two seasons. Alex, this is going to be an interesting structure of the podcast because for the first time in our podcast, very short history, we are not actually arguing against one another. We are exploring. This is an exploration of discovery, Alex. We are thinking about the seasons. You are going to be the expert for Heroes versus Villains. I'm going to be the expert for Kagiyan. Now, we might have differing opinions about what's important and what's what's valuable, which, of course, I'll always be right about my opinions on what's good and valuable in a season uh, yeah, against your that. opinions. We all know that. Uh, yes, exactly. But what we will be doing is rating. We, we have five different sections we're going to go over and talk about, and that's theme, character, strategy, challenges, and twists. That's one section. And finally, the legacy of the season. So we're going to look at each of these different seasons through the, these five lenses and kind of say, okay, what is memorable about this? What makes this a good season? How has this aspect helped create a good overall season of Survivor? So this just isn't about one character and whether or not they're good or bad. It's about how does it all come together and make for a worthwhile season of television to watch, which is very different from what we've been doing because it's not just about what's good survivor play, but also what is good television. Because we all know that some really great strategic play can be very boring to watch. Each of these categories, Caleb and I independently will be rating each season on a scale from one to 10. And at the end of our episode, we are going to come together, tell each other the overall scores we have, and, co- and combine them to get a score out of 100, say from Speaking Llama, a Survivor podcast, this was our overall rating for Heroes vs. Villains, and overall rating for Kagiyan. So we encourage you to play along with us. And for each of these five categories, rate each season on a scale of 1 to 10 and see what you come up with. See what's different about the two seasons or, or how you're different than, than us. Yeah, just remember that I always have the best opinion. That is your opinion. And it still holds true. So Alex, let's get started. Let's kick things off with talking about theme. And Alex, as a notice for everyone, spoiler warning, we will be spoiling season 20, Heroes versus Villains, and season 28, Kagiyan. We w- might make some references to things that happen in the future, especially when talking about the legacy of the show, uh, but we'll be doing our best not to provide spoilers for future seasons as well. But note, there might be one or two that pop up because of that, especially in the legacy portion. With that, Alex, get us started Tell us about the theme. Tell us about the season, right? We're going to assume that if they're listening to this episode, they've watched these seasons, but but maybe not. Maybe they need a refresher about what the seasons are. The theme of season 20 of Survivor Heroes versus Villains, it was the second season to have an all-returning players cast. The other one was Survivor All-Stars season eight. And what they did was split the cast into two tribes, those who played with uh, heroic qualities, trustworthiness, being um, just a, a good guy, good gal, things like that, compared to the other tribe, which played more with villainous tendencies. They were the villains of the season, or at least that's what they told us they were, right? 
And so they split this cast into two tribes and it was a back and forth battle. Who's going to come out on top, the heroes or the villains? Something really interesting about this season is that there were no tribe swaps. The heroes tribes stayed together until the merge and the villains tribes stayed stayed together until the merge as well. Um, Now, in my opinion, this theme is one of the best themes of all 40 seasons. It's kind of the gold standard of a theme. And what's so great about that is for the most part, like those, those castaways this season really did fall into that hero gameplay versus villainous gameplay. I think there's an argument to be made that were some of the villains actually villains, were some of the heroes actually villain or actually heroes. But I, I think for the most part, they really fell really well into the theme of the season. And it drives the question, which style of gameplay is better? being a hero and playing the good guy or being the villain. And and that may just inspire a future episode of our podcast right here, potentially. Now, I think what the only category or only aspect of this category that really falls short for heroes versus villains in terms of theme is that it felt pretty forced from production and from the editing team uh, in their recaps and uh, just some of the confessionals. It was, It was all about, we're the villains, we have to do this. We're the heroes, we have to do this. But I think that's that's something that every season of Survivor that has a theme often falls into, where it feels a little forced at the beginning. But in my mind, that's kind of the only knock I would have on this theme of heroes versus villains, is that it was just a little too forced for me. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know that I would say it was forced. I would say that uh, they did a pretty good job of setting it up. When I'm thinking about theme, too, I'm thinking about is it consistent throughout the season and driving the narrative of the season? And yeah, I, I think that right there, it's this narrative of heroes versus villains throughout the entire season. And yes, production is going to hammer home that, but it's not like in some scenarios where the theme just kind of feels like, I mean, I love the season millennials versus Gen X, but like that feels real forced. That's right. Uh, but in terms of trying to create these dynamics, uh, so I, I see what you're saying, but I, yeah, I would push back and say, no, I actually think that right there in every moment, whether the, from the pre-merge to the post-merge, that theme, thematic element is at play. That's true. That's true. Okay. What about Survivor Kagiyan? Tell us about the theme and, and your thoughts on the theme. Yeah. Survivor Kagiyan season 28. Uh, this is the first season where they, split tribes based off into three themes uh, in brains, beauty, and brawn. And the premise of this season was for each person on the brains, beauty, or brawn tribe to, that was the characteristic that they most used every day in life to get ahead. So the brains tribe, obviously are the, right on that tribe was a lawyer, uh, a chess master, a, Major League Baseball owner, right? So a, a poker player. On the bronze tries, there's a basketball player, a construction worker, or I don't know, well, not a construction worker. She wasn't actually a construction worker, but two cops, uh, an MMA fighter. For the beauty tribe, there's some models on there. There's a, a former NFL cheerleader, right? So they're using that beauty to get ahead. Brains and brawn are, are pretty easy to kind of like say, all right, this is how you use that. I, You might, at first glance, beauty kind of seems like a stretch, but as it plays out, it's like, oh no, this this actually kind of makes sense. Alex, one of my favorite lines from you about 
brains, beauty, bronze. So they, they actually end up doing this theme again with the uh, survivor co-wrong brains, beauty, bronze too. Uh, and you like to say, Kagiyan is like the A-list brains, beauty, brawn, and then Korong is B-list brains, beauty, brawn. But only because it's like the, it, all the characters seem to fit into their tribes really well on Kagiyan. But with the second one, it's like this. The theme kind of feels forced here. But the mm-hmm. point the point of this is is that the thematic element of brains, beauty, brawn really plays out really well throughout the season, both as an initial concept because I think the characters fit so well into these roles, but then also they do a great job of incorporating like, all right, this is how this actually plays out in the game of survivor too. So much so that I would argue that the winner of this season exemplifies all three in some ways. (laughs) Uh, And if you've watched the season, spoiler alert, Tony wins the season. He is a brawn in the sense of like, he works hard to get the things done and does all the things he needs to done. needs to do to find idols and do all that stuff. And then you have him using his brain strategically time and time again. And then the beauty of his just ability to win people over every time he stabs them in the back. From a narrative standpoint, this theme fits very well throughout the season. I think the one knock I have against it is that it does it sets up really well before the tribe swap. And then and then kind of in the after the tribe swap because of the tribal divisions, but then post-merge, I think the, the theme begins to fall flat a little bit. And that would be my knock against it. Unlike with like heroes versus villains that theme kind of carries throughout the post-merge too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and I think what's cool about Kagiyan as well is that it began this string of several seasons where it's these like three tribe divisions or two tribe divisions with different characteristics um, of each tribe. But I feel like Brains, Brawn, and Beauty really are most similar to the game of Survivor in terms of like outwit, outplay, outlast type of thing compared to some other seasons where it's like healer hero hustler or white collar blue collar no collar they are tribe divisions but there's just there's very little connection to the game of survivor where i do think brain brawn and beauty really do connect well to the overall idea of survivor yeah for sure so great caleb great write down your your score for these two, Heroes versus Villains, Kagiyan, I'm writing down mine. And we'll I got see. Em. Uh, I got them. Got them? Yeah. All They're right. right. They are the correct opinion, but yes. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we will reveal later on. So, Alex, let's talk about the characters of the season. And what, I mean, we're just going to say that for both of these seasons, I understand why they are. There's a reason that these are the two on Netflix because two amazing, amazing cast Alex, sure. and, and speaking of Kageon in particular right we're obviously super fans of the show but i would fair to guess that you could pretty much name every single person on the on the cast off the top there's actually i tried to do it beforehand there was only one person that i couldn't just like think of off the top of my head that was part of the season and that mm-hmm. was alexis mm-hmm. and arguably like the the quietest person on the season but everyone else, like, oh, I remember them. I remember them. I remember each person doing something in particular. 
whether good or bad, they had a moment, a character moment on the show, which I think that that's the sign of a good season is a cast that is able to even a very short amount of time have great profound, not, not necessarily profound, but like watchable, enjoyable moments, right? I even think of Bryce Isaiah, who was voted out very early in the season, right? He, he is very memorable from his purple pants to uh, being sassy with all, with all of his cast, his tribe and, and playing from the bottom, but doing it as best as he could. And he was just a fun character to watch. But then even going back to the first boot of the season, David, in the first impressions twist, he tries to be strategic and target the strongest guy on his tribe by calling him the quote weakest guy on the tribe and it blows up in his face but what a great fun tv moment because of like he's trying to be too smart for his own good and what a great moment but like even in that very small window of one episode we get this fun moment from here and i would argue to say one of the better first boot characters we've seen i I have my favorite uh see edge of extinction but in terms of a first boot but and then I think just in general, notable characters from the season, right? Bryce, Morgan, LJ, Jatia with dumping the rice, Garrett and his just like, just Garrett being Garrett. Uh, and then uh, the Lindsay versus Trish debate. But then I, I even think, we'll talk about this later in terms of the legacy of the show, but there are, I would say six, five very well-developed characters that really hold a legacy in survivor history. And from the season, you have Tony, the masterminding strategist, Cass, the villain, Wu, the lovable loser, Tasha, the fierce competitor, and then the storyline of Spencer as the tragic hero. Each of these castaways has this really fun arc that we see throughout, right? People want to root against Cass. People are wanting to watch Spencer fumble over himself at the very beginning of the season and then rise up and then fall down again. And just, you can't catch a break. And then woo, everyone loves woo. And then watching him make that mistake to take Tony to the end, but then watching Tony just take the strategy by the reins and control that season. Just what a great cast, arguably one of the best, one of the best, newbie cast and when i say newbie for those that aren't familiar with cyber i mean all new players uh with no returning players and we'll talk about this legacy a little bit more but i i think in many ways kagyan helps revitalize survivor because of this cast caleb i again this is a first for our podcast but i agree with you wholeheartedly and i know that's not fun but I think you were totally right. I was going to say as well, it is the best cast of all new players that we've ever seen in all 40 seasons. Um, For the life of me, I can't understand why Jatia and Bryce have not been invited back for a season. Uh, They they absolutely should. My money's on Bryce to win when he comes back. I I think it's a guarantee he will come back soon. My vote's on him to win. Uh, I would love to see him play again. But yeah, it's it's the best uh, season and, and even thinking about like three seasons later, we see Survivor Second Chances and it was a fan vote and all four players from the season made it on the show. And, and they really had another big storyline, not, not necessarily together, but throughout the whole series. Yeah. Through the whole season. Mm-hmm. 
looking at heroes versus villains, you know, I think what's different about this season compared to Kageyan is it's an all returning player season. Right. And I would argue it's the best all returning player season cast as well, mm. especially compared to um, all stars game changers. Now, Winners at War is a little bit harder. I think that was full yeah. of nostalgia just because it's a 20-year anniversary of Survivor. But this was the 10-year anniversary of Survivor. And I think what's interesting about it, too, is at that time, in the year 2010, like everyone who was invited back was a noteworthy character. Now, 10 years later, we can argue, like, was this person, should they have been on? No. Should this person? But I do think, you know, even... I think the, the biggest two who are contested would be Sugar and Randy um, as heroes and villains on that season. But we have to admit that it was just a year after Gabon aired and those two were very notable from the season of Gabon. Yeah. I also put, I, I put Candace in that uh, category too. I think Candace is a good survivor player, but just in terms of, and we, we go back to the theme, whether or not Candace is a hero or not, right. That, that's up for debate. I agree with you there that like this is also a harder as you said it's easier to look back on hey who deserved to be there uh, or like maybe not who de- no one deserves to get to play survivor everyone gets the chance to play survivor um but in terms of like casting choices yeah and that's why you know like i said i think everyone on this cast was either a great hero and a great embodiment of that a great villain or just a really fun, noteworthy character, right? I even think um, like Candace wasn't necessarily a hero or a villain, but was the first to have a mutiny. And, and that was a memorable moment and led to that group of four in Cook Islands to really make it to the end and do really well. Um, and so it was a noteworthy point in that season. Yeah. Um, so I think at that point in the series of Survivor, it was a nearly perfect cast. Now, I, there were a few replacements I would make, uh, the biggest being Taj being put on the Heroes Tribe. Um, mm. That's that's like my number one. I'm so frustrated. Uh, and then Natalie Bolton being put on the Villains Tribe as well. Those were the two replacements yes. I would make. But I do think about 17 to 18 of the 20 were perfectly cast. Uh, what's also really fun about this season is the amount of duos or trios that we saw from the, their previous seasons be split on the two tribes. And so mm-hmm. we have the classic debate of the first hero and the first villain, Colby and Jerry. And then we have uh, Coach and Tyson versus JT. Then we have Amanda and Sari versus Parvati. Then we have Sandra versus Rupert. We have Sugar versus Randy. We have Amanda and James versus Courtney. Uh, we have Sari and Danielle who played together who are on different tribes. And then even uh, that that partnership of Stephanie and Tom, who are two very notable heroes from um, season 10 Palau on the same tribe together. And so almost everyone had some sort of a connection to someone else that they had played with. Uh, Even Rupert and Boston Rob played together in All Stars. And so really it was only like Candace and Russell who hadn't played with anyone yet. Well, Candace played with Parvati. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. forget about that. So it was really just Russell who hadn't played with anyone on the season. And that's because he was a last minute replacement from season 19 uh, and had a 20 day break and then immediately came back on. Um, and my favorite fun fact about Samoa and Heroes versus Villains is that the, the beach that Russell was on in Samoa was the same beach the Villains tribe was on. 
And so oh, it was like, nice. he literally came back three weeks later to the exact same beach uh, wow. that he had played. So he I, really I, just played one single game of Survivor. <laughs> I did not know that. But also like to that point with the, I, and I, I believe this is correct, but I, I could be wrong, but uh, Russell replaced Shane. And I think that is who Shane from uh, Survivor Panama Exile Island. I would have rather had Shane the Grandy. Um, I'm just thinking yes. of like Shane, Bert, and Coach on the same beach, and both of those <laughs> people being so eccentric, right? Yeah. So well, even like I, I, I think this season um, Panama Exile Island is really underrated. So even seeing Danielle, Shane, and Sari back together, yeah, um, three of that group of six. Um, from that tribe could be it would have been fun would have been fun yeah yeah all right caleb write down your rate rating one through ten in terms of the cast and characters of these two seasons done got it got it it's right again but go ahead all right well no cheating no cheating don't copy my answers alex come on um next category is strategy and so this is like somewhat outwit right it's the strategy that this these two great casts implemented throughout the season uh, and i'll start with heroes versus villains and this is this is my hot take and i will gladly accept the hate comments from this heroes versus villains strategy if i were just to rate the alliance of poverty danielle and russell I, and and jerry and coach later on I'd give it like a 12 out of 10. I, I think they had the best strategy of any season of Survivor in a lot of ways. Now. I'd have to think about that. Uh, winners at War might have you, might give you a run for your money on that. Yes. And that's something I didn't actually think through. I'm just kind of <laughs> making a claim. Wait, so Alex, are you telling me that you don't think through your arguments? That is sometimes correct. Now. Okay. <laughs> what what's crazy about this season is that we have some of the most legendary castaways uh-huh. but i think from that list of legendary castaways this season is some of their weakest strategy of any of their seasons and so let, let me give a few examples mm-hmm. uh you had early boots of some amazing strategists in either previous or future games in Suri, tom tyson and rob and those four players, they, they, they kind of got robbed early on as pre-merge boots um, and got outwitted and outplayed and outlasted. But those four are, are legends of the game, especially like Suri and Rob, those, that's top five characters of all time. Then we have some massive mistakes from great strategists in Tyson, basically voting himself out, JT sending an idol to the other camp. Now you could say that the, it's great strategy from the other side, right? But I have to acknowledge that like some of these amazing players had some poor strategy this particular season, which I really didn't realize until I was diving into researching this season and thinking about it from this lens. And then finally, just we had so many great heroes on that tribe. And I remember watching it as a kid, I was rooting for the heroes, but it really just, it didn't have a ton of great strategic moments from that hero's camp. Uh, they were getting outplayed by the villains significantly throughout each episode. Yeah, yes, the villains were running circles around them by by post-merge. Yes. Now, with that disclaimer, I do think this season had some of the absolute best strategic moments that we've seen across the series as well. So a few of those, obviously, Parvati's double idol play at the merge episode of Heroes vs. Villains. 
Yes. Caleb, is that the best moment of Survivor of all time? We will have to save that <laughs> for another day, but that is definitely one of the greatest idol plays in the history of the show. Uh, the minority split might give it a, it a run for mm-hmm. its money, uh, which I'm not reference what season it is, but it's never happened before, yeah. except for that one time, and that was a brilliant, brilliant strategy. Yes. So as a recap, Parvi's double autoplay, uh, the two tribes emerge. It's five versus five. Um, JT had just sent an idol to Russell. So now the heroes have no idol. Um, Russell gives that to Parvati. Parvati already had an idol, so she now has two. Uh, all these relationships that I talked about are connecting back up, who are from different camps. And Amanda and Parvati are trying to talk to see, can we do this again? Can we make it work? Amanda says, well, I can't tell you anything, but you should play your idol just so you're safe. Parvati reads it and says, I think she's lying to me. I don't think she's voting me out. And so she plays both idols for Jerry and Sandra, which is like one of the gutsiest moves you can make, risking her own safety in the game. And the heroes all voted for Jerry and J2 goes home. So one of the greatest moments of all time, if I'm ever on Survivor, which I probably won't be, I would never be able to play an idol for someone else. I feel like that is not in my DNA to do. And so to see that played from property so well, but also we saw it in Russell a few episodes before that where mm-hmm. Russell convinces Tyson to vote for Parvati and then plays an idol for Parvati and Tyson gets voted out. An amazing moment from Russell. And then I also have to acknowledge Sandra's strategy in this. Like she had a few really great strategic moments. Um, her overall strategy of anyone but me really took flight in this season and, and really proved why it's a deadly strategy. And I think this is her best um, win with that type of strategy because she truly owned it and really was willing to vote off anyone else but herself and she made it to the end that way mm-hmm. and then finally my favorite moment I talked about in our second episode when we were talking about Boston Robin Sandra but Sandra convincing Russell to take out coach instead of her and Courtney I think is a very underrated strategic moment where she plays with Russell's paranoia and and convinces him that coach is trying to get him out and Russell flips and votes out coach and blindsides him. Uh, I, I absolutely love that moment. One of my favorite moments of the season. Hmm. Was that it or did, was, were they, Russell know they were, they were playing up the, he was playing up the women's alliance. I don't know. I, I thought I, that I, came later. Well, like that's, I can't remember when it exactly happened. I know that the, the very next episode, that's when like Rupert's like, well, it looks like there's a, <laughs> women's alliance over there jeff yep. um so I can't, I can't i can't quite remember what it is but regardless um yeah I, I, even as you're talking about this alex i i'm disappointed by the ineptitude of that was the hero's tribe of mm-hmm. their strategy because when i think back of to the season in that post-merge sandra's coming to the heroes and saying Russell is in control. Like, I will vote with you. Right, like, here's my vote. And they're like, no, no. Uh, no, we're, we got this. Uh, and so it's just like, there's some really great strategic moments, but maybe even overall strategy-wise, there's some pretty poor strategic play here uh, yeah. in the season. However, like, the flip side of that is it makes for really fun television because we have these, like, really interesting moments but also really frustrating moments because it's like heroes come on like get it together 
please look what's happening in front of you. Before this, before thinking about it, I would have given it a higher score. I think I'll give it a lower score than what I would have anticipated. Yeah, yeah, which is wild. Yeah. What about Survivor Kagiyan and strategy oh, for that season? Let's let's talk about the strategy for the season uh, because there are so many great strategic moments from multiple characters. And arguably, as I'm thinking about in comparison, because we're obviously comparing here, not quite as many like poor decision-making, right? There, there are some things that could have been done differently. Like we talked about in our Cass versus Wu episode when you know Cass flips off Trish as she walks out uh, and gets voted off. Like that's a poor strategic decision, but good television. Uh, the When I think of strategy, I want to highlight a couple very important, interesting strategic moments of the show. Uh, first being when Cass takes control of the brain stribe. So David gets voted out and then Garrett tries to take control of the brain stribe with five people left because they're going to vote out Jatia, who was the original fake target, the first tribal council, but Garrett flipped it on David. Well, Cass says... Cass and Tasha too, because Tasha's frustrated at Garrett, but Cass uses Tasha's frustration and says, you know what? I'll take the three girls and we'll target the guys. Uh, and which leaves Spencer cr- scrambling uh, afterward. That, that moment where she kind of like identifies, hey, that's, this is my play. And as we talked about in the Wu and Cass episode too, Alex, like, I go back to Cass ch- strategically choosing to, to flip because it, it benefits her, right? So Cass has some really great strategic moments in this that are also entertaining television to watch. Then I also think of the Brains tribe. So after there's four people voted out, they have a tribe swap where they swap from three tribes to two tribes. And the Brains tribe, uh, that is Cass, Tasha, and Spencer, that are those three left, end up on the same tribe with a random assortment from the bronze tribe and beauty tribe and they kind of as the weaker quote tribe with less numbers they take they know their position they're the swing boat and they take control of that moment and that's why i go back to earlier like as i've said in a previous podcast right that three to two tribe swap is the most intriguing uh, format for a season because it creates those moments of actually if you get voted off earlier like your tribe goes to more tribal councils it's likely that you're going to get farther in the game because you become that in pivot, that pivotal decision maker, which is what happens in this season too. We have the cliff blind side as well against Tony, which then has another great TV moment, right? All these great TV moments. Um, and also Cass's decision was her decision to flip at the pre-merge, but what can't be underestimated is Trisha's, Flip, helping cast to flip and convincing her to flip and the way that she subtly uses that like relationship and connection with Cass to kind of point out, Hey, they're controlling. How about, do you want to control the tribe? Right. And playing to uh, Cass's ego in that moment, which ego is not a bad thing, right? That, that's just what like playing to wanting this woman to be in power and does it so beautifully and creates that moment where Cast flips and that tribal one of the most epic tribal councils of at least merged tribal councils because it's like because Tony and LJ play their uh, immunity idols which aren't effective and then it's like everyone thinks it's voting for Jeffrey and then Sarah pops up and it's Sarah's gone and what what a great 
what a great moment. Um, and then just in general, Tony's strategic moments of blindsiding Cliff, blindsiding LJ, blindsiding Jeffra, and then convincing Wu to take him to the final tribal council. The strategy just time and time again. And that's not even to mention the way that he uses his the advantages that he has in the bag of tricks to bluff and protect himself time and time again. And, and even with that, I said multiple characters, Spencer uses Tony's paranoia that's present throughout the game to get himself farther along the day. Like that's what puts the target on Jeffra's back is Spencer bringing up to Tony, hey, they're going to do an all-female alliance unless you're careful. And that is the vote that gets Jeffra off. And Spencer kind of begins to help control himself, right? And if we want to talk about poor strategic moments, perhaps it is, you know, kind of the big one is Wu taking tony to the end but overall like what great gameplay from from this cast completely agree and and maybe what's different between these two seasons is like how i think about it you know obviously we talked about the good strategy and the bad strategy and heroes versus villains but those two go hand in hand right like jt's bad move means it's russell's great move and parfait's great move um so I'm, i'm wondering maybe is it more obvious that it's bad strategy because we knew the players in heroes versus villains and we were rooting for them and they're the ones having bad strategy. Whereas, you know, in, in Kagiyan, there's less of that emotional connection to the players getting the short end of the strategic stick. Um, and we're just rooting for Tony and his Alliance and, and Spencer or Tasha and things like that. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's tough when, I think in Heroes versus Villains, there's some. It feels like there's some pretty obvious, like m- there's multiple obvious "don't do this" moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Where in Kagiyan, there's there's really only one that I can think of that's like that's a bad strategic play. For sure, for sure. And I love too that you know the strategy of this like Tony's chaotic strategy. Um, whereas some winners, you know, we've seen in a lot of other seasons. I won't say any just in case someone hasn't seen other seasons, but we have a lot of like kind of calm, cool, collected winners who are very strategic and very social, but kind of keep their cool all the way to the end where Tony's running around speaking llama to people and, and doing all these different things, but it still worked out for him. And so it was a much more um, yes. chaotic kind of strategy that we saw this season. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, Alex, go ahead and write down your scores for this and we'll reveal them later on in the episode at the end but we're going to move into the challenges and twist elements of this game which can include both the physical challenges of the show as well as any twist or major advantages that entered into the game in some ways this is kind of like an outplay section but uh it's not quite just that but really i think when we think about this category the challenges and twist uh it's really that idea of both entertainment uh, and uniqueness of some of the challenges where we've seen, we've seen some really fun challenges and we've seen some pretty boring challenges to watch. Uh, my, one of my personal favorites in previous seasons is when they, you know, take meat off of like a big, with like a big, like leg with just their mouth. Like, uh, and then sometimes you have challenges that are people drawing rocks out of a bag, which Alex, you know how I feel about that challenge. Yeah. The, the meat challenge, if it were on either of these seasons, they would immediately get a zero in this category for me, I hate that challenge. It makes I love me that challenge. Up. I love uh, that challenge. Yeah. Okay, Caleb, <laughs> take it away with Kagiyan. Okay. Uh, yes, with Kagiyan twist and challenges. I, you know, when you think about this, 
there's a couple major twists that happen in the game. First being just like this tribal format and of the theme that we talked about earlier in setting up between tribes based off of this characteristic theme. From the get-go, Jeff and the production set the tone of this season by having the first impressions twist for someone to be, quote, the weakest player on the tribe. And it looks like that person might be voted off or something like that from the get-go. But what ends up happening is they get to go to the tribe camp earlier where they're usually presented either with a chance to give the tribe an advantage, such as a bag of rice, in this, an extra bag of rice in this instance, or they get a clue to an immunity idol. And what's fun about this twist and why I think as a whole, the twist on this season never really take away from from the enjoyment of the season because they never create, they always add to the entertainment value and to the strategic value without creating too much random chaos. Future seasons where they have like what feels like seven different tribe twists, right? Someone ends up getting, or not tribe twist, but tribe swap. Someone gets swap screwed and by no fault of their own ends up on the bottom. And so in Kagyan, that doesn't really happen. And one of the things I, I noticed from the first impressions so the three people that went for the, um, that got voted off as the quote weakest members were Garrett for the Brains Tribe, Morgan for the Beauty Tribe, and Trish for the Brawn Tribe. Garrett goes for the idol, gets, targets David, but then gets targeted at the next vote. Uh, by, he ends up being on the out by when he's selfish. Morgan goes for the idol, doesn't help her tribe out, and is on the outs with Bryce from the Beauty Tribe. Trish is the only one that goes, that chooses to help her tribe, and she becomes the unifying member of her alliance, which was, was fun about that, is that it, their choices directed their like characters for the rest of the season. That's probably just a coincidence, but a fun one in terms of talking about the narrative of the season. I think some of the other twists that happen in this game, uh, there are a couple regular hidden immunity idols, as I've kind of already alluded to, and then the super idols, which was a suggestion by a celebrity. I can't remember who it was um, to Jeff. It was was Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, that's right. This season gets a knock because of the super idol, because the super idol is too overpowered. Uh, And if you don't know what I mean by super idol, I mean an idol that you can play after the votes are read. Now, Tony uses it beautifully and does a great job with it and never actually needs to use it, but... It's, it's just too powerful for this for this game. Uh, I actually think in Brains, Beauty, Brawn 2, where they allow for a super idol by using two regular idols together, that is an intriguing super idol because it, mean, it means having to use relationships to make the super idol. A super idol on its own, I don't think is very intriguing part of the game. And so while kind of fun and unique to see, like they you know kind of get this message at the merge that hey there's going to be a a new advantage somewhere hidden somewhere like go look it created some some drama and dynamic in that but it didn't ultimately add anything great to the game and and Tony is able to play chaotic because he has that in his back pocket the super idol that can save him if he doesn't have it how chaotic does he play or does the chaos come back to bite him in the butt it would have been interesting to see without that safety net and then the mystery that this was the first final 
two survivor token chains that we've seen. So that was a shock for players as well. Your final two, final three debate, that's right. That's another time, another day, but still created some interesting moments. The only thing I wanted to point out, we actually had uh, a couple first time challenges that were ended up being pretty fun. There are one, two, three, four different challenges that are first time and get used in multiple seasons after the fact. Uh, two that I want to note that were, I think, especially fun to watch uh, was A, the station by station challenge, which was used before, but this is where the tribes had to go out and count number of items at different stations and then come back. And like that created a, a code, just the drama of that challenge, because Tasha and Spencer really needed to win it uh, in that moment. And the challenge took so long because they're running back and forth, running back and forth and trying to count turtles and, and, and shells and, and random and random rocks. And that challenge demonstrates endurance and not simply like, you can't just be a puzzle master. Uh, and you can't just be good, like acrobatic. It's that idea. If you go slow and steady, you're more likely to win, but there's this pressure on you to get it right, like to do it as fast as possible. It's just a fun challenge for me. And the other one, I think that from just from a moment, Cass has come from behind win uh, at the final four immunity challenge was epic. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything, Caleb. I mean, I think you, you brought up some really great points and um, agree that the, the idol play and twist of the overall season was was great, but agree with you on the super idol. Um, it's it's similar to, you know, we see in season 12, Panama, someone has a super idol and it just, it it's very difficult. It's The strategy is hard because how do you vote someone out who has a super idol? You're just basically wasting a vote and playing Russian roulette at that point right. uh, to try to get them out. And it's, it's difficult gameplay to overcome. Right. For heroes versus villains, the, the only advantages that we saw at that point in the series were hidden immunity idols. But this season had some of the most iconic moments with hidden immunity idols um, that still hold up to this day. And so previously mentioned uh, were Parvati, obviously playing the two idols for Jerry and Sandra, Russell playing the idol for Parvati, both of those being correct idol plays, which make for some really fun, exciting tribal council moments. But we also saw JT send an idol to Russell, which is the first time ever. Terrible move. I'm glad people haven't continued to do so. Uh, but then finally, Sandra, the eventual winner of the season, did find an idol herself um, and played it for, for herself at a final, or not at the final tribal council, at a tribal council. Looking at the challenges of the season, I think because it's one of the most iconic casts, it has some of the most iconic challenges as well. Uh, and there's some of the most fun challenges uh, to see. The very first one, as soon as the heroes and the villains hit the beach, we see the one where they have to, in pairs, go and dig a bag out of the sand and wrestle yes. each other for it to bring it back to their mat. And like that's the first 15, 20 minutes of the season. And it's like we see so many moments of like, these heroes and villains competing and we see like Sandra unhooking Sugar's brawl and Sugar running, running up and winning it, you know, for their tribe anyway. We see Coach literally drag Colby uh, through the sand and like Tyson's comment about Colby's masculinity. And then we see like Stephanie literally pop her shoulder out and then back into place uh, all within that, that episode. We also see moments 
um, such as like the jousting slash sumo um, yeah. one mm-hmm. where it's the mud. And that's the moment where the heroes like kind of start to come back and they win their first challenge, um, which is just such a fun challenge to watch. We have Parvati's most iconic challenge where she's holding her hand above her head attached to a bucket of water. And if your hand comes down, the bucket of water comes and dumps on you. Uh, that's just for any Parvati fan that is iconic. Uh, we also saw where they stand on little pegs kind of on the side of their feet and have to stand again in between two walls. Yeah. And that one was really cool because it was actually a one versus one type challenge where they all had to rank their tribe one through five. And then the, you know, the rank number ones were competing and you didn't have to stay up the longest. You just had to beat your pair. Um, and we saw like Rupert versus Sandra. We saw Colby versus Jerry. And it just made for a lot of fun. And then finally, um, I, I love any season that has the giant puzzle at the end. And that's what we saw in Heroes versus Villains. Not giant puzzle, giant maze at the end. Yeah. Um, and that's where like Russell just barely grabs the immunity necklace before Jerry uh, and leads to her getting voted out at the next tribal council so challenges advantages i think for that time in survivor they were top tier Um, i don't have any complaints or um, anything negative to say about uh, this category for heroes versus villains yeah i actually also think the lack of tribe swaps in this it's a benefit to the season right Mm -hmm. productions decision to rein in some of that because they've done tribe swaps before, but the decision to practice some patience and to practice some uh, reser- reservation really actually adds to the dynamics of the season rather than takes away from it. And so, uh, which there's a shout out to, to War Dog uh, from a different season. He actually has a great theory about uh, too many twists, too many tribe swaps creates more rigid lines rather than flexible working relationships between alliances. Um, give it a check. I, I think he's posted it on Reddit. Give it a check out sometime. Go look it up. It's it's actually a very intriguing theory. For sure. We got a couple of War Dog Nation co-hosts here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Caleb, write your answer down one through 10 for these two seasons in terms of challenges, twists, and advantages. I'm already done. I beat you to it. Oh, I, I've been done for five minutes now, so. Okay, okay. All right, so we're going to look at our last category, and this is the legacy of these two seasons. Um, and I'll go first with heroes versus villains. I think for this theme and this season, every Survivor fan is just craving to see this season recreated. I mean, there are so many dream casts of heroes versus villains. I feel like after every season, we, we have a different dream cast of new villains and new heroes and things like that. And I think it is one of I, I, objectively the best seasons of Survivor. Um, for me, when people ask me what my favorite season of Survivor is, I assume that everyone's heroes versus villains. And so I answer something differently because that's just an assumption that it's my favorites. And what's cool about it is it holds up for first time viewers or super fans who are rewatching it. I'm actually shocked by seeing it be so accessible to first time viewers. And if, if this season was your first season of Survivor, um, that's awesome. Originally, I, I didn't think that would be great just because there's so much history with these castaways, but it really does hold up as a standalone season. And that makes it a great season in its legacy. Additionally, we have um, 15 
of the 20 castaways who either before the season or after the season made it to a final tribal council. That is three fourths of this season has made it to day 39. And that is incredibly impressive. Quick spoiler warning, Caleb, can you guess the five who had not made it to the final tribal council still to this date? The five people that have not made it to the final tribal council. Yes. Candace. From this season. Correct. Uh, Randy. Correct. James. Correct. Uh, Rupert. Yep. Oh, sorry. There's only 14. So there are the, six people. There's six. I've named three. You've named Randy, Candace, Rupert, and James. Suri. Yes, but she should count. So she should, she should always <laughs> count, but she doesn't. Unfortunately, that, that's when I said 15, I was putting her in that category of like, people hey, there you go. Else. There you go. Uh, Jerry. Yeah. And then Jerry would be the last one. Um, everyone else on the season had made the final tribal council and even the three uh, who made the final three this season all had made the finals previously um, and I think that's incredible looking at the legacy but then also from the season we have six different winners uh, four winners before this season aired and then after this season two more players from this season won the game uh, we look at you know season 40 winners at war four people from one tribe of the season were on that season. Um, and I think that's just incredible. I think if there is a legend season, you know, not looking at just winners, but season 45 or 50, if that were like just survivor legends, I think at least half of this cast would be finalists for a legend season, which is really impressive that, that such a large number of castaways from one season would all be considered legends. And I think that just speaks to the legendary nature of this season. And this season kind of helped make them what they are in the survivor community. Uh, and then final note here is it is the only season to create a band at Ponderosa after people have been voted out. We have the dragons with a Z featuring coach Courtney and JT who doesn't love a good survivor band. I mean, I don't know that technically counts for the legacy of the season, but it's definitely a fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex, the, I mean, heroes versus villains is the, a lot of people break down the different eras of survivor. Um, and often this kind of from like 50, season 15 to season like 20 is kind of usually referred to as the golden era of survivor and and season 20 being the pinnacle of that for a great reason um and you're right that everyone kind of wants to recreate another heroes versus villains season because of just how not just how iconic it is but just that idea of there's heroes and villains and survivor and and, and watching them duke it out uh, is a lot of fun so Alex, the legacy of Kagyan, in many ways, I, I said just a second ago that all fans like start are craving for another heroes versus villains. They kind of create their own dream cast for that season. But Jeff has gone on record saying that he he thinks that we are past survivors past that era, uh, and that is, I think, in large part due to Kagyan. It's not just Kagian, but because what I mean is you would you could define Tony's gameplay as being very villainous, but he's a beloved, like no one considers him that. 
he's not the villain of the season. Cass is the villain of the season. So really, like we we are kind of past that, and it's I think in Kageon we start to see this turn. I'm not going to say it's just Kageon because there's seven great seasons before that uh, that add to that kind of narrative of hey, this, this isn't really just about heroes versus villains. It's about really great strategy. Whereas I, that's why I think a legend season is very possible, uh, but maybe not another heroes versus villains themed. Though I personally, I still think they could pull it off well. In that way, Kahion really sets a legacy. And I said this earlier in the episode, I think Kahion, I, I think it's the combination of the season before that, Blood versus Water and Kahion, that 27, 28, that swing survivor back into an upswing in, in fandom and in intrigue because since season 20, right, after coming off such a great season, they, they don't have a lot of, there's a couple duds along the way. Not, to, I will watch every survivor season, but to be honest, like they're not quite as good of seasons. Some fun characters come from there, but that's just the fact of the matter. And, and I think, 27, 28 kind of help upswing. And so for that, Kageon really sticks out in my mind because it helps revitalize the season uh, with Blood versus Water being a partly returner season and then Kageon being an all newbie season. That really, And again, they hit on every single character. Uh, Alex, you brought up the legacy of the season of Heroes versus Villains just in terms of how many winners we have gotten from that season, um, how many just overall players, great players and moments we've had from that season, right? Uh, Kangian has produced six returning players in total. It has produced three winning games of Survivor. It has also produced four tribal council attendees and six tribal council uh, attendances. And technically, if you it would have been a final three instead of a final two. That number would be seven with Cass. So some really great characters that come from that. You mentioned earlier in a season that some of the players come back for, they kind of help really define the narrative of that season. So not just players that come back, but players that have an impact on the story of Survivor. And then I think the we think about some great memorable moments of this season that have helped. Memorable moments just being Jatia dumping the rice, the fall and rise and then fall again of Spencer, Lindsay's quit, Cass's flip, Tony's bag of tricks, uh, and then Wu picking Tony to take to the end instead of Cass. All these iconic moments, but also Tony's legacy that he brought. He changed the narrative of how you can play chaotically and, and win the game because look at just looking at heroes versus villains, Russell plays very similarly he doesn't have quite the relational stills as Tony does, but they play a very similar style of, of game. And, and Tony won where Russell couldn't win with that game. Tony does. It changes how we view idols, how we view advantages. And we've seen a influx of advantages and twist and things. like that. And I think that's as a result, because we're looking at, can we get another Tony from a legacy point of view? Kageon just really sticks out. I, I, maybe not quite as much as Heroes versus Villains because that's just such an iconic season, but it doesn't fall short of missing that mark. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of great points that Kageon is really the first season to start this idea of breaking tribes up into different characteristics, 
first season to really start to implement a lot of different types of advantages. Um, and I think within the game of Kakian, all those things worked to its advantage. I think the downfall of that is it created some not great moments or not great seasons after that as they were trying to match the gameplay of Kagiyan with new twists or new breakdowns of tribes. And I think in that they were experimenting a lot and just didn't meet that mark, but that doesn't knock Kagiyan down. I mean, that, that almost acts it up even further to say it was, it was too right. much of a gold standard. And I think, you know, you've had uh, six players from Kagiyan play after Kagiyan again, there yeah. have only been, uh, what is that? Two, three chances for returning players to come back since yeah. season 28. Um, and that's that's incredibly impressive. And you've seen uh, at least two players from Kagiyan play each of those subsequent seasons. Um, and so it's absolutely, yeah. absolutely incredible. Right. And I think it's also, when I think about the legacy of Kagiyan, I like what you brought up about how, yeah, they've tried and failed at, in terms of to recreate Kagiyan at times. I think this just really def- like reminds us that what makes a survivor season ultimately amazing isn't the format of the season, but the characters that they cast when survivor cast great people and people who are willing to play the game, they have successful seasons and characters that are intriguing and interesting to watch, which when they get recruits, uh, which survivor does recruit uh, players to join. I think that is when they fall a little flat because they're not quite as intriguing players and characters to watch. Completely agree. All right, Caleb, write down your final scores. You actually changed my opinion a little bit on one of these. And so congratulations. Can I I get that in writing? You changed my opinion. That's Uh, if anyone's willing to transcribe this podcast. Yes, you can. Great, great, great. All right. So we are going to tally up for a second. Our final scores for these two seasons Sounds great. I'm, I'm tallying away. I You were doing math before I did. Jeez Louise. Yep. Carry the three. Okay, we have our final scores. We are going to say them at the same time. Let's start with Heroes versus Villains because it was the, the first season. Caleb, are you ready? Score I, out of 50. I am ready. Out of 50. Oh, 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 that was almost bad. Didn't carry that 10. All right, I'm ready now. Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one. 45. Four. Oh. Okay. So we have 45 and 44. Okay. Uh, that creates okay. an overall total of 89 out of 100 from the Speaking Llama hosts about the seasons, the season of Heroes versus Villains. All right. We'll go back through later, but let's let's give our Kagi on scores. All right, Caleb, yep. are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. 46. Oh, okay. So we had 46 and 42. Uh, that creates an overall score score of 88. So within one point, we think that Heroes versus Villains had the better season in these five categories than Kagyan. But we both agree both these seasons are top tier, objectively top three or five of all 40. For sure. Yeah, and I think I'll be interested to see your numbers. I don't want to spend too much detail on this, but, you know, I think a part of my scoring is right. This we are, we would say are probably the two best seasons maybe uh, in season. So in many ways, I'm trying to create a standard. And so that, that might explain why I have a 40, 45 and a 46. The bar is set for these 
these two. Um, uh, and just looking at my numbers, I gave um, Heroes versus Villains. I actually got two tens for me, uh, whereas Kageon only got one ten for me. Uh, me too. The tens were challenges and twist and the legacy of heroes versus villains what about what about what were your tens for my tens were the cast of heroes versus villains and the challenges and twist okay see i actually knocked the cast because of randy and sugar randy sugar candace conversely for i actually gave a 10 for kageon for their cast because (laughs) because they hit they all hit which i don't think you can say that for heroes versus villains, at least in the, in the narrative of the season. It's important to note that heroes versus versus villains has 20 castaways and Kageon only has 18, but even still uh, that's kind of like, you're still casting, you know that how many you're casting. And so, yeah. And, and I gave 10 to both for cast just because we had both agreed. I think it's the best cast of returning players collectively and the best cast of newbie players collectively for each of the two yeah, seasons. That, so I, I don't think you can get better. Uh, even though Heroes or Stone wasn't perfect, I think looking at all returning casts uh, that we've seen, it's one of the best. Interesting. Okay. Where Heroes versus Villains got knocked was strategy. I gave it a seven. Um, I gave it a six. Because how you kind of described it and and, and really like, uh, I, would, I don't think I would have given it a seven before that, but I, I think there's just some disappointing gameplay. But we have to give credit where credit's due that like Russell, Parvati, Danielle have some amazing gameplay in that moment. But there's just some really like poor decisions that get made from Tyson to the whole heroes tribe. Yeah. And and like I said, it was, it's more just kind of disappointment as a fan that it's like, I look at Ceri's four seasons, Rob's six seasons, five seasons, five, Five. Um, Tyson's one, two, three, four seasons. Like, they are incredible strategists and some of the best of all time, but each of them just fell short. Stacking their own seasons against each other, this was their worst uh, for yeah. each of them. Uh, and that's why I knocked it down. Yeah. So you obviously had Kageon as lower than Heroes versus Villains. I did, just uh, by two points. Yeah, well, right, right. We're, we're splitting hairs here. Tell me more about what, where did it get knocked down at? Yeah, so my, my lowest one for Kageon was the um, challenges and twists. Actually, okay. you were the one who knocked it down for me. I had an eight and I gave it a seven. Oh, interesting. Um, just because of that super idol. Um, and like I mentioned, just I don't like the super idol. Um, and I I just don't think it's great gameplay uh, to have. And I think it's, it's unfair gameplay. I think it just creates a really difficult um, force to go up against if you're not the person holding it, which really isn't a fun gameplay. Because then you're tiptoeing around and those players, if they can make it to the end, they do. Yeah, I I get that. I actually wavered between an eight and a nine here for uh, challenge and twist. I did not get a ten because of the super idol, um, but I think what kept it at a nine for me is that most, except for the well, still even with the, all the challenges and twists added to the story of the season without creating random chaos in the season. So that's where I like. That's still like bumps it up in my mind um which i understand not wanting the super idol the only the main difference here too though is that in the previous seasons people understood that it it was a super idol in as much as uh it it could have been people didn't know it tony never used it as a super idol again it did affect his gameplay because i think he's able to play a little bit more recklessly knowing that he has that in his back pocket 
while not a great addition to it, that's what keeps it from having a 10, but I, I see why you knocked it down. Um, yeah. And, and I think part of that too, was the challenges. Now, granted for almost any season other than heroes versus villains, I couldn't name more than two or three challenges that I remember seeing in that mm-hmm. season that felt memorable. Um, and with Kageon, the only memorable challenge, you know, I think it's, it's the gears where, where Cassie loses at the final three. Um, but also the one right after the tribe swap where they have to like drag each other off the pole in the sand. Those yeah. are the two that I really remember. But with Heroes versus Villains, it's like all these iconic challenges. And so I think because I had that one at a 10, um, I just I couldn't give Kageyama an eight or a nine because it was just the challenge. Um, just the interesting challenges were just too different. Right. So what's interesting about this, the reason that Heroes versus Villains got a 10 for me in Challenges and Twist isn't because of the challenges. It's, it's because the lack of Twist, which I know is very like ironic uh but it's i think it's because they showed that restraint because they had these great characters and i think kageon is a great example of like showing a little bit of restraint but adding some additions while also having great characters creating this really great strategic gameplay that is utilized and so but that's why i again it it, it got a 10 rather than having a nine um but yeah, that's interesting how, how how that worked out so you heard it here. We have these two seasons, Kageyama at 88 points out of 100, Heroes versus Villains at 89 points out of 100. Two absolutely incredible seasons, and we are so thankful they, they, that they are both on Netflix and that more people get a chance to see how great Survivor is. Um, as always, we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at Speaking Llama. And actually on this post, we would love for you to post what were your final scores out of 50 to see where you landed and, and give us any suggestions or feedback on any areas that you were really different than we were or anything we missed uh, in our arguments. Um, at the end of the day, we hope you had a phenomenal Christmas if you're watching this when it's released and a happy new year. Uh, and we are excited to start bringing you more episodes of Speaking Llama into 2021. Uh, Caleb, anything to say to our listeners as we sign off? Just remember, speak llama every day like a good friend, Tony. Alex didn't like my clothes off, but I thought it was brilliant.